Hi, you've called Age. And Mitch. And this is Message on the Machine. Gritty conversations by smooth operators. You know what to do. All right, ladies and gents, get the wheat grass out of your teeth. <laughs> is that what they call it? Wheat grass? I think just hay. Hay. If that's the stereotypical offensive reference that you're reaching for in this moment. Well, I don't think it's um, it's not offensive. Who's how is who's out there getting offended by hay? Oh, it's a stereotype. Maybe some horses. PC police will come for us. Oh, you know what it's like. Fuck off. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Message on the Machine. My name is Age. And I'm Mitch. And today we are here to get a little bit country. That's it. I don't know. Is, am I also allowed to say that? Or is that yeah, also no, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Who cares? <laughs> We're past that point. We would have been cancelled <laughs> by now. Uh, but no, we are here today to talk rural gay culture, yeah, I guess, is I kind guess of a nice way to sum it up. Growing up gay in not a metropolitan area. Pretty much, yeah. Which is something that, you know, neither of us can really relate to at all. No. So we're going to have to call in the reinforcements. But I, before we do that, Mitch, how was your week? Um, my week was good. I just wanted to quickly talk about Heartstopper. Oh, my God. Can we? Yeah. Um, we can. <laughs> because I'm actually across this one. Oh, for once. I mean, I've been posting on my story about it because it's been quite an emotional journey for me. Okay. For those of you who don't know, it's this gorgeous, like, gay love story, I guess, set in a high school. Yes. That, for me, is just, like, the gay high school experience that we all wish we had, you know? Yeah. It's very much a... I feel like, for me, watching it, I feel like, looking back, it it's that reminder of what it was like to be young and gay that you kind of forget about when, mm. as you get, yeah. to, you know, into the ripe age of 30, like me. <laughs> ripe, ripe. But it's sort of like fantasy porn of, like... Oh, if only I'd had that redhead rugby boyfriend when I was 16. No one was fucking kissing me. Things might have turned out different, you know? That's for sure. But yeah, no, it's a great show. Get out there and watch it. I heard it's um, apparently uh, the only show out there on Netflix that's got full five stars or something. Like, it's got a real big tagline like that to it. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, yeah, that was my week. How's yours been? My week's been good. I had my first haircut. (laughs) In a long Baby's time. Baby's first haircut. Yeah, it was very much that. Um, so obviously if anyone's playing catch up, I actually got a hair transplant probably about <laughs> five weeks ago now. Mm. And I was unable to get a haircut and put a fade back into my hair. So if anyone who knows me knows that I used to get one once a week. Yeah, the weekly fade. Yeah. Yeah, so big day Huge for the Huge cost. Huge outlay for you, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's not a lot of, you know, I don't have nails. I'm not doing, like, there's no hair extensions. Okay. Like, you know. I suppose, fair enough. Compromise. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of been my latest today. But more importantly, I think we should bring our special reinforcements, as yeah. I said, into the room. Because our dear friend Estelle is here um, reporting live from... The, the bush. <laughs> yep. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm here to represent the Hick vote. Uh, yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. We're so happy to have you and um, really excited to just have, I guess, a third in the room that's not Mitch and I and who can jump in and like actually talk to this topic a little bit because we as we sort of said, are definitely not the experts. Yeah, but it is something that we have been asked a fair bit to cover. Um, I think that, 
you know, growing up gay, not in Melbourne or in a city is not an experience that we've had, but it's definitely an experience that a lot of our listeners have had. So we really appreciate you coming on to shed some light. We'll get into the why, I guess, in a sec, as in like sort of why you're here and a bit of backstory. But before we do that, first question, have you watched Heartstopper, Estelle? (laughs) I haven't. I'm a horrible homo. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, terrible. But I get to, I get too emotionally attached to things, so I feel like if I watch that, it's just, you know, it's nothing but heartbreak for me. <laughs> yeah, you'll be a wreck. I can tell you that for free. Oh, I was bawling. More so than I normally am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I'm not going to make today about Heartstopper. No, that's not. I do want to ask, though, Estelle, what was the last thing that you Googled? If you're going to be part of this trio, you've got to share with the fans. I, okay, perfect. I feel like mine needs a bit of an explanation, though, but I'm, my last Google search was urethral dilators. Oh, God, oh. you're going to have to explain that one for us. Jesus. But that... That's purely a work-related um, Google search. Okay. It's not a personal, recreational um, <laughs> need of mine. How disappointing. I know. Can I have a go? So we're talking the urethra, mm. where piss comes out. Has dilated. Correct. We're going to dilate it ourselves, or we're going to use a device to dilate it further? Uh, it's, it's, we use metal... Metal tubes, yep. basically, and put it down the urethra and dilate <sighs> it and enlarge it oh, wow. over and over till we get the desired, <laughs> the desired girth. Yeah. We've, oh, God. We've lost a few listeners and gained a few <laughs> listeners, I think. <laughs> it, look, it's a, niche, it's a niche market, yeah. I'll tell you that. Mm. Can we just give everyone a bit of backstory as to what you do for work so that they don't think that you're some strange sort of person who just goes around dilating penises? Dominatrix. Well, I am. But also work-wise, I um, work in operating theatres, so I'm the manager of a hospital. So long story short, I just tell everyone what to do, sort out the problems, um, and that was one of the um, instruments or implements needed to insert into someone. So great. that's why. A professional penis dilator, if you will. It's on my CV. (laughs) God, I don't know why I'm so turned on. Oh, keep it in your pants, for God's sake. Uh, But but the big question is, are you dilated? (laughs) (laughs) Looks like about five centimetres from where I'm sitting. (laughs) I didn't know I could dilate. It's a girl. Big girl. Um, Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing. Mitchell, what was yours? Um, My last Google was best riddles. And I'm not actually sure why. I've got no explanation um, like our lovely guest did. But, um, yeah, I think I just was wondering if I could just find some riddles to crack. Okay. Use the left side of my brain, <laughs> you know. But did you find one? Um, a few, but I didn't crack any, so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Have you got one for me like that you could quickly just... Sure. Riddle me this. All right, here's a riddle for you both. Yeah. The more you take, the more you leave behind. What am I? Time. Oh No. Damn it. It's always time with a riddle, though, isn't it? It's such <laughs> a safe answer. I feel like I need to give consent with the taking component <laughs> of that. I don't, I'm not sure. Would you like me to just tell you? Yes. Footsteps. Oh. How, uh. how beautiful. Got you both. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what about you, Adrian? What was your Google this week? So, in line with, I guess, just what's going on with me personal life-wise, I'm adapting to new hair. (laughs) So, currently, like, obviously to have the transplant, I had to shave my old hair. Yep. 
Then they put the new hair in. Great. Then that new hair falls out. No, I'm currently without old hair or new hair, basically, because I'm waiting for my old hair to at least grow back. Yeah. And the new hair has now left me. So <laughs> I'm in quite a pickle, I guess, with how I look, which is fine. So you're Googling hats. I feel slightly offended. I know. Chrome dome myself. I was thinking, God, look who's in the room. Estelle has a fully <laughs> scalped, like, he's got a fully manicured, like, beard. We're just going to paint a bit of a picture. It's, like, cut with razor blade, like, super sharp. He kind of looks like the man on the front of, like, a burly um, lumberjack or, like, the the beard tin, <laughs> the beard oil tin. Like, that would be Estelle's face. Yeah. It could be a beard tin ad. Thank you. Good That's, save. I've never received such a high compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, very chic um, looking beard. I generally get that. I get that or Conor McGregor a lot. Oh, yeah, I Ooh. see that. Even though he has hair. Even though he has hair. No, but that's very much that vibe, isn't it? God. Yeah. I'm getting... It's getting hot in this today, isn't it? Anyway, tell <laughs> us your Google. My Google was hats. Um, it, but, <laughs> it was. But it wasn't... A, it was a specific type of hat because it's also quite hard. You can't just wear a cap to any event. Some events don't allow you to wear caps. You look stupid. Mm. Anyway. So that's my Google. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you've become a hat guy. I am, unfortunately. For the time being. I've literally collected mm-hmm. probably another six hats to my collection in the last couple of weeks and I'm ready to stop wearing all of them. So the day will come that when you see me without a hat on, it will be a good day. It'll be a, your graduation day. You can throw that hat in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Move on to better things. Righty-ho then. As we've discussed already in the intro to this show today, we are talking about growing up gay in a rural setting. We've got a guest here. Estelle, say hello to everyone once more for me. G'day, how's it going? <laughs> I feel like I have to, I feel like I have to yeah. say that as like the country, the country yeah. bumpkin I am. Nailed the brief. Well done. Yeah, thank um, you. And we're going to jump into it, but I do want to just start off quickly to give some context. Tell us, tell the listeners, who are you? Where are you from? Brief synopsis of your story. Um, so, um, basically, I grew up in a small regional town in central Queensland, so... Um, mm-hmm. It's called Yapoon, which is exactly how it sounds. Um, sounds so, quite sexual. Well, the locals have a little thing. They go, what's next to your knife? Your spoon. Like that's, to put it into context, <laughs> that's how they describe themselves yeah, in a okay. nutshell. Um, <laughs> cool. But yeah, it's a um, small town, teeth optional, teen pregnancy rates high. Um, <laughs> but Beautiful. yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a quaint town. Um, but it's mm. my town, so yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, lots of character. It sounds like a bit of a fixer-upper. Yeah, yeah a, bit of, <laughs> you know, a renovator's delight. One man's trash. <laughs> that's right. So that's obviously why we've sort of brought you in. But now, obviously, you don't live there, so I guess everyone's probably picturing you out there with teethless with a piece of hay. It's a whole bale of hay, actually. Um, <laughs> no, but you've since moved to Brisbane. Is that right? That is correct. Another small country town. <laughs> Shout it's out. just a bigger, it's just a bigger small country town. <laughs> Shout out Bris Vegas. So wait, how long have you been in Brisbane now then? Um, so I moved here in 2009. So I can't do maths, but whatever that equates to. A few, maybe 12 years. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to Yeah, give plus, plus minus a couple. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah cool. Easy. And was that a decision that you kind of made sort of based on like wanting to get out of Yapoon? Or yeah, definitely. It was. I'm gonna struggle. Say, 
<laughs> I'm going to struggle with that name today. If you don't want to say Yapoon, you could just say The Poon, which is another reference that they'll, you know, use for the town. Something um, for the locals. But yeah, definitely right. I left um, 2009 for one, for more career opportunities um, and also to have a better, no offence, better life mm. uh, for myself. None taken. I have never been to The Poon, so... Happy for you to say that. You should go in in <laughs> September. They have Pine Fest, a celebration of pineapples, where they crown Miss Pine Fest for the oh year. Oh my god! Um, Do you know I've always seen myself as a bit of a Miss Pine Fest of the year. So that can be I right always up my wanted alley. to be her. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I would be. I feel like if I lived there, I'd be looking at her like so jealous. Like, oh, she must be the queen. Of the poon. <laughs> to put it into context, they have a big street. We've got one street, like one main street, which we call downtown. Um, and they have a, a street parade. I'm not even kidding. We shouldn't They laugh. have a street parade where they throw the last float of the day is a ute. And they throw pineapples out of the back of the ute, which I don't think's the prime throwing fruit myself. No. But if you catch one, you go to, there's one pub at the end of the street. And they will serve you your drinks in it for the rest of the day. So that's, God. you know, culture. So many sharp edges on a pineapple to be just flinging them out the back of a ute. I am, my jaw is on the floor right now. I feel like I've gone to another, whole another country. Mm. Well, it's, it's a good test of the reflexes. While we're talking about the poon, I want to dive straight into what we're here to talk about today, which is throwing back to you as a little gay tot, um... Ducking pineapples in the poon. (laughs) And I guess we just want to sort of get into what it was like for you growing up in that little country town. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I sort of had, there's a bit of a character arc involved there. I guess when I was sort of younger and didn't have any, um, you know, qualms about what people thought of me, you know, when you're young and innocent, Mm. um, I was very... Free. I would wear my sister's dresses and all of that sort of stuff. I'd tell people, my name's Jennifer. Like, <laughs> very sassy. Spelt with a PH as well, oh, Jennifer. Um, oh, my God. But then, obviously, as uh, my family started to recognise that, I was very much told, you know, boys don't wear dresses, girls wear dresses. And it was sort of that sort of reinforcement that then fell into place. Mm-hmm. And then, I guess, once people started telling me what I was in a negative fashion that's what sort of I guess changed me made me retreat inside myself um to a point where I I would say I became socially mute Mm. where I couldn't talk to anyone I wouldn't look at anyone in the eye it definitely changed me during that phase of my life yeah um probably up until I left to be honest Mm. I think that what you touched on, like, you know, it sort of seems to be universal, the thing of those young kids who, um, you know, might want to be Miss Jennifer Pineapple Queen of the parade. (laughs) Um, And, like, I know for myself personally, um, I was very much that kid as well, like, always in dresses. I don't know if... Yeah. ...what you were like. Um, But it's interesting that I feel like my parents never really told me to stop wearing dresses. Yeah, I will see. And then I was just thinking, like, there's parts of that that kind of still resonated for me with what you were saying. So I feel like the the whether you're probably in the country or whether you're not, it's probably not always that relevant. I feel like maybe in the country, and I, I think I'm just going to use that term in today's episode as in the country, as like to, I'm talking obviously about rural cities mm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. But 
like I think that there's probably an element of that that is obviously more common but I still think it still happens in Metro like it's it's still something that I experienced in, at times in my life where it was like being told that what you were or how you were acting wasn't right and so you had to kind of go back into a shell so yeah I think there's definitely crossover but it's probably like you said more common and I guess when as you get to the, you know, like you said it didn't change till you left so it's sort of like I guess for me it probably mm. changed sooner because I kind of was able to find a network be free a yeah little, yeah totally but yeah. I guess yeah we'll touch on that I guess in a sec but what was it like scaling back and a question we often ask people in the room and again I'm don't want to put you in the hot seat too much tonight but growing up gay in a straight man's world is something that we all kind of battle what was your actual coming out story for everyone in in that setting um look mine's not super exciting i was very fortunate that my family it wasn't a big secret i was you know jennifer quite flamboyant. Mm. Yeah, exactly um <laughs> and basically i couldn't actually find the words to say it so i just wrote it down left it on like the kitchen counter and then i just went to work one day and driving to work i just received a slew of calls and messages from my family all saying you know we love you all that sort of stuff so for me it wasn't um i think the most difficult part of the coming out story was the acceptance for myself to say Mm -hmm. you know to actually verbalize it and put it out there and Mm -hmm. sort of it's not something you can whoopsie doops and take it back um so yeah i think getting to that point of owning it and going well actually this is it that was probably the biggest part my family they were cool with it so um yeah that's probably it's it's not a very exciting story no i mean it's still important though i think because it's nice to know that you obviously i know you sort of said like you went mute and like it was pretty sounded like it was obviously quite challenging at points but sounds like your family was still in your corner which is awesome i was gonna say yeah they were definitely in my corner but also i don't necessarily know if they were aware of some of the challenges that I was facing at the same time mm-hmm. because I, ma- I masked it very well. So mm. can I just say um, the gayest thing ever is to me, like I'm just imagining this like beautifully written cursive note that you've like <laughs> left on a bench somewhere and like sashayed away into the distance waiting for your family to read it. <laughs> yeah. I put glitter confetti inside yeah. the letter. <laughs> yeah. Bang. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did want to ask, though, in terms of obviously your setting, how much do you think that impacted? Because it doesn't sound like it was coming as much from your family as people might think. How much do you think the rest of that setting impacted your inability to, you know, come out to yourself first? Um, I think it was definitely the surrounding people. So the being in a country area, you're very much told or it's assumed what a what a man does. Mm. So it was facing that in terms of, well, I don't fit the societal, societal norm. I'm not what they think I should be. And people are sort of in a derogatory way telling you what you are. So I think being in a place where you can own that and go, well, actually, yes, I am gay and this, that, the other. It's, it's, it's a difficult battle because you're being told that this is bad and this is not what you should be. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know it's what you are. So yeah. I guess that's it more came from external people around town and whatnot yeah. um, rather than my family. Is there any moments that kind of stick out for you where like you remember that? Because I feel like there's certain things from like my childhood that still sort of sit with me that are like, they were either the definitive in a moment that I didn't realize and then looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I really remember that. And that kind of is like makes a lot of sense on reflection or they really just like were ingrained and like you can't 
can't kind of forget those moments? Uh, I would say it's very much upon reflection. So it was sort of a daily thing that I would face. You know, I went to a country or boys boarding school. So Ooh, that's, you know, yeah. Mm. So Yeah, the boys. <laughs> um, it was very much constantly being told, you know, you're a fag, you're fucking faggot, like cocksucker, like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you're sort of at a point where, where people say, so you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, um, I love mm. chicks, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? How good are they? Mm, <laughs> yeah. It, it was difficult to try and brush that off. At, but at the same time, you're constantly being ostracized for mm. not even doing anything, just for existing. Yeah. Mm. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, my impression of these small country towns as well is that there's not as many places to hide because you kind of know everyone that's around you to Mm -hmm. a more extent. Yeah. Is that what it's like? 100%. Everybody knows everybody. They all know your business and, you know, Mm. this, that and the other. So there's no real hiding. So for me, I spent a lot of time literally just like physically hiding at home. I would hide at home. I never had friends over. I didn't have friends full stop. So Mm. I couldn't have friends over to our house. So I would do that at school, high school. I would literally hide in the library watching Stargate with the librarians because, you know, it was either that or face physical bullying. So I I chose the path of least resistance. Mm. As you would. I mean, and I know we kind of like, we joke a lot on this show, but like, hearing that I'm going to be honest there's been moments in my life where I kind of say something that to me it's something that I've lived through that I know yes it's not not great whatever but you kind of lived through it so many times and you've replayed it so many times that to you you're almost a little bit desensitized to it so even just you telling us that story right now like the tension in the room right now is quite Mm. quite tough because to me, I'm hearing that and I'm like feeling really empathetic for you in that situation. And, but the way you kind of say it is just like, oh yeah, that's what I, that's life. Like that's what I had to do. And I've totally been there before where like, you know, I've said things about like, you know, the, I've spoken on this show before about the relationship I have with my dad, which is non-existent. And like, I sort of say things to people and they don't, they kind of look at you like, wow, that's really fucked up. And you're like, yeah but it's kind of your normal do you know what I mean like and you don't realize and I think like there's definitely a a moment here that I would just like to say that like that isn't normal that kids have to have to go through that in those settings and I guess that's kind of why we're even just bringing it to light today but Mm. yeah it's it sucks it sucks that this is happening out there and I think that's half the reason why we wanted to talk about it and I guess it's taking those experiences and looking at, well, what can I learn from this scenario? What can I actually impart to someone else to hopefully help them? Um, And you're correct. The tension is palpable. (laughs) (laughs) That's just because I'm fully dilated. Cut it it with a knife. Um, So you mentioned, I mean, obviously you've kind of touched on this, but it sounds like high school was pretty tough um, or just school in general. Did you feel like you had a support system at all? out there in the bush or uh, how was that kind of working for you as a child? It it wasn't great, to be honest. Um, In terms of support structures in place, I would say I was not aware of any. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously there's, you know, numbers you can call and this, that and the other, but 
for me, it was if I go down those avenues, I'm accepting these things that I've been told are so negative. So it was mm, very yeah. isolating in terms of I need to deal with this internally and figure out how do I manage myself um, in terms of what support structures did I personally use. This is really going to show my age and make me look really long in the tooth. Um, I know I look really young, but... Um, <laughs> All ages welcome, I, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to, you know, go on, this is so gross to say, but MySpace. Oh, you old like, bitch. Okay. And that was like my way of going, well, there's actually, there's other people out there who, who are gay and that I can try and connect to or at least see them having a better experience than what I had or mm-hmm. was having. Mm-hmm. So I sort of use that as fuel for my fire in terms of this is not my story. I don't have to be here in this yeah. realm forever. So I always told myself, I was very assured of myself in terms of they're telling you all these things, but you can actually, you're better than that and you'll get out. So that's I kept that in my mind constantly when I was, you know, getting hot meat pies thrown at me, which also we had meat pie day once a week just to put that oh out God. there. So It was um, a weekly occurrence. So you knew they were coming. We loved our pies. It still do. <laughs> um, Not that much. But though. yeah, oh, I would get, you know, not only the verbal abuse thrown at me, but, you know, I would get all the food thrown at me. That's, again, why I would physically hide because you're just getting all this stuff thrown at you as you're getting derogatory comments um, and it's humiliating as well because obviously of when you're walking around covered in tomato sauce and mystery meat, it's, you know, <laughs> people are going to look at you and be like, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like the thing that to me is the most shocking because, you know, we've all had a choice word or two thrown at us over the years. Um, and I think that's the thing like to speak to what Adrian was talking about is that you get used to, but no one's ever like touched me or hit me or thrown anything at me because I feel like if that happened you know in my school or even now as an adult in a city like just no one would let that fly it's funny that you say that because when we if I put us all on a bit of a timeline we've got Mitch is obviously the youngest in the room definitely grew up in like I would say a more like higher class or socio higher socioeconomic area um, <laughs> you make me sound like a prince. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've kind of got me, who's like a little bit older, grew up probably more in the West, um, which is, you know, a little bit more rough. And then. And then know, do me, do me. Where am I? <laughs> and they're then, really, really old. See where this is going. We've started a bronze, a gold, silver, and then bronze. I'm getting the wooden spoon here. Oh, and then dear. right at the very other end. Of, no. No, but and then, you know, then we've got like rural. Growing up rural. For some reason, rural. I can't say that word properly. That's fine. But, you know, I think that there's a contrast between all three of us and it kind of gets worse as you go back in time and then further away from Metro as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because I definitely had, I probably sit in between the two of you, like, I probably didn't have meat pies to the head, but I also definitely had to stick up for myself at certain points in high school. And, you know, were you confident in sticking up for yourself? So, yes and no. I mean, I found most of the time I was sticking up for, like, someone else. Mm. And then I would get myself in trouble. So, like, uh, you know, if there's someone... I remember once someone was being really mean. Um, this guy was being really rude to, like, one of my girlfriends. And I defended her. And then me and him ended up getting into a fight. But then it wasn't actually about her anymore. It was about me being gay. That's where it mm-hmm. turned to. So, it was like... But obviously, in high school, I wasn't gay. So, I was like... 
what are you fucking talking about? Like, sort of thing. Your dog. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I definitely, look, I, I definitely knew how to sort of stand up for, like, what was right. But there was still a part of me that was conflicted because I'm like, well, what am I defending if I'm, I'm like, I'm not here to defend my, my queer side because that doesn't actually exist. So it's like, you kind of feel like it's hard to fight because it's like, well, what am I here to defend then? I'm just defending someone who's being mean to me, Mm. which kind of leaves you feeling like I'm not doing enough. Whereas I feel like if I was really my true self at that point, I would have smashed the shit out of him. <laughs> if that makes sense, violence is not the answer. No, however. but I would have, you know, like because I'm, I would have had a lot more passion behind me. I think, whereas yeah. I was still very timid. I feel like I was pretty good at sticking up for myself, but it's so much easier to do that when you have a bunch of people behind you who are also sticking up for you. Like, mm. I, I came out when I was, you know, sixteen-ish. So I was out in high school, um, and. No one really ever said anything, but if they did, it was, like, me and, like, six other, like, ferocious women who would be, like, how fucking dare you say that? So when you're in a group like that, it's not as hard, I don't think, to to defend. Is there a bit of a safety net for yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. How about you? Did you did you fight for your rights? Um, I had no friends, no support structure inter in a social setting. So Mm -hmm. I very much just shut down. I would stand there. I knew a ham sandwich was coming my way. So I would just sort of stand there, wait for it to hit me. Then when they said, yep, you're free from the eating area, then I would just go hide. So for me, it was a lot of avoidance to survive in that space. Um, I I never, ever would have, said a single word to stand up for myself. I just had no confidence to do that. So now it's it would self-preservation be though, isn't it? hundred mm. percent. Yeah. Can we sort of go fast forward now? Obviously that's high school. That's super traumatic. What effect does that have on you as an adult now? And like, because it's very obvious that we all have carry our baggage from our childhood, right? That's just mm. evident. That's why we all need to go and spend some time on the couch. <laughs> trauma's fun. And yeah. talk it out, right? Well, it's what makes us funny, I think, is yeah. the trauma. But I think, you know, like, even just what you were saying before, like, you know, you just telling yourself, like, you know, no, I'm not going to go down that path. Like, you're very... It's, it's interesting to me that, like, you had this mental strength, even though it sounds like you were so, you know traumatized by so many things like you still had an element of you that was like i'm not going to accept this like you know which is potentially i'm assuming why you move cities and like start wanted to start fresh right like how did that kind of catapult you into your new chapter um i think well i think uh, very much of elements like fight or flight response Mm -hmm. so for me in that time it was i'm just going to do this and then once i'm free from that and i've got the ability to move on then bang i was gone so in terms of how do I view that now? I'm actually, I, it sounds fucked up to say, but I'm actually so thankful for having those experiences and going through that. Cause I feel like it's really reaffirmed to me, my sense of character now as a authentic individual. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I'm, when I met you, I was like, cause I guess backstory is Estelle and I met like a few months ago chatting. And then I actually found out all of this information about, his life and that's kind of how I how made, did you meet 
<laughs> How did we meet, Estelle? Do you want to tell them the story? Um, you're breaking up. I can't quite hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, we met online. Yeah, right. Interesting. It was um, MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> sure. He was my top friend. Which on MySpace. space were you in exactly? <laughs> I was uh, one of the top eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, and that's how we found out all this information. That's how I made the connection that I thought, like, you know, to, to obviously have you on the show today. And I just, it's a, such a great example of, I'm like, you don't have to be defined by your past. Like, I would never have known that about you. Like, and even just, you know, the, the shutting down and, like, all those things that you said that, you know, you had those character traits that you had as a child, like, super in, internal and, like, hiding away. And, like, talking to you now, like, you're... You know, you just said you're leading an, an operating theatre in, in Brisbane, which is an equally mediocre city, you know. Um, <laughs> like, but you seem very well adjusted despite all that. Correct. That's kind of what I'm getting at. That and is I, so nice. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, like it's, it's amazing. And I think it's a testament to, you know, like I said, you don't have to be defined by your past. So like what kind of like work did you put in, I guess, to get to this point? Because it doesn't just happen, right? Um, I think a lot of it is I'm big on mindfulness and reflecting and all of that. Oh, you two are perfect you know, for each tactics. other. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, part of it, I had, you know, counseling and therapy and all of that sort of stuff. I think that's really good because that just helped me reaffirm my tactics that I use for myself are appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely use those um, mm. just to help me reaffirm yeah, time on the couch. It's necessary. Everyone <laughs> needs some. It's my new thing. Quick lay down. Go have some time on the couch. Everyone needs to talk it out on the couch, I think. <laughs> Just say couch again, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Um, so, question. Moving back to the poon for a second. Were there any other gays around? Because I, we know statistically, you know, they're saying now it's like one in five or something. So, even a small town, there should be a few of you running around. But was that the case? If there were, I was not aware of it at the time so much. Mm-hmm. There was a couple, um, like a couple of gays that I sort of knew as I came out um, before I left. Yeah. Um, but we didn't necessarily align values-wise. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> They were slums. Um, yeah. <laughs> With no teeth. Look, you say potato, I say... Mm. Anyway, so. <laughs> they were dilating with pineapples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they were on the back of that ute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there was a couple. And also, not only was there, you know, out gay people, there was also the straight guys that weren't gay, but... Mm. Mm. On the DL. Yeah, exactly. And that was an interesting field to navigate. Did they come to you because they could see that you were clearly gay? Like, did they approach you, these, in brackets, straight males? What do you mean clearly gay? Um, (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) That's an honour. Take that pineapple off your head. (laughs) Look at the show you're on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, well, you know, it was interesting because, you know, we would sort of be at the pub and they would, you know, go home because we all sort of lived close to each other. Mm. Um and they'd go home with this chick and then I would go to my place and the next minute, you know, rat-a-tat-tat at the front door. And I'm like, yes. And then, you know, they're like, yeah, come meet me in the garage. I'm like, oh, okay. Sexy. God, it's like Uh. Wolf Creek. 
It is. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I hang, hanging upside down in the garage, you know, by hooks, just sucking, <laughs> just sucking people off. Perfect. <laughs> um, I'm curious then, if you don't mind me asking, because we've talked about, you know, our first sexual experiences on this show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. How was that when your only real options were faceless? men who were taking women home and then locking you in their garage it, in, a, in a word i would say vile yeah. it was not it was not great yeah and but also almost like by default i was like well i want to ex- you know explore myself and my sexuality and you of know course. i guess mm. i guess this is all it is so it wasn't yeah but you know again it's character building um <laughs> what doesn't kill yeah. you Mine was in a car. Mine was in a car. He was much older than me. I was probably too young, and so it's really probably illegal upon reflection. And you know, <laughs> it's real, real talk. It was it was so bad because it was there was a, a couple of ga- like a gays that were a couple, um, and oh. they split up because one of them, you know, was frothing over me. Like no offense, uh, typical. Um, and then we. It's only human. And then, you know, it was like, okay, well, sweet, let's do what we're here to do. And it was so bad, I legitimately went, oh, my God. And this is makes me sound so bad. And I was like, oh, my God, America's Next Top Model's on. I have to go. And I literally <laughs> left. <laughs> it was I cycle had no six. idea where that was going to go. It was cycle six. I remember it vividly. <laughs> cycle six. That is literally... I've been there so many times. Like, I've done the fake phone call. And it was so bad. He sent a lewd photo afterwards. And I don't want to be mean. I'm not here to body shame anyone. But I was like, what way is up? I don't even know what I'm looking at here. It was horrendous. You're not going to see that on Top Model. That's for sure. Fuck. (laughs) Good for you. No, he he was going home for sure that week. Good for you. I'm so, you know, you've got to bail when you need a bail. I've bailed. Yep. I mean, it's a hard thing, though, when you're out there and there's real slim pickings and sometimes you just need to shut your eyes and try not to work out which way's up. And Well, I was, I was just praying for the 48-hour famine at that point. I did not need to finish. <laughs> I was like, no thanks. Wow. I'm done. Once I was arrived to a grinder route and he was not what his pictures said he would be mm. and... He wanted to, he like went in to try and kiss me and I was like, oh, oh, just one second. I think my phone's ringing. It wasn't. And I don't know why, but I just pretended like he obviously couldn't tell and just took the phone call and that wasn't ringing and said that my sister was going into labor and I had to leave. <laughs> I don't have a sister. The phone wasn't ringing. And I left I that love- being like, I'm fucking literally just won an Oscar. And he was probably just like, what the fuck is this? Country? You could have just said top models on. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> Will Eva win? I don't know. It's interesting, though, because I think that, you know, of the three of us, none of us really had, like, a gossamer curtains, um, candles going in the breeze, beautiful first sexual encounter. I don't think that that is an exclusively country thing, that there's a little bit of trauma and regret attached. In Does a... anyone have that, though? Does I feel like, is that a normal Straight thing people, people actually... get to have that. <laughs> straight people have that. Do you know who gets to have that? Straight men. Because I don't even think a lot of straight women get that, actually. No, that's true. Because they have the trauma associated to the breaking <laughs> of the hymen and the whatnot that they go through. <laughs> and such. <laughs> and such, which I can't talk to. But, yeah, I feel like... I mean, I shouldn't generalise, but, yeah, we do definitely have a bit of 
shame associated with our first <laughs> experiences. But also that's that's character building, right? That's I think it. at the end of the day, you have bad experiences which A, make for great stories and B, it gives you resilience or it's something to learn from. Oh. So there's some wise words. This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for all those moments because we <laughs> have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Between the two of us, we've got enough fuck-ups that we can be on airwaves for 12 months, apparently. <laughs> Um, earlier you touched on the, the, you know, what it means to be a man's man Mm. or boy's boy and boys did this and boys did that. And and I just said straight, brought up the, the straights. So while we're kind of on that, like what is the toxic sort of masculinity culture in, in a rural setting like that? I think it's just, it's very much those expectations of, you know, you have to play sports, you have to do this. Even down to little things like, you know, if if you cry or you're upset, only girls cry. You know, mm. it's very much that just putting you down if you show any element. And I don't know if this is a country thing or if this is more widespread, but any element of emotions, I guess, you put out there is seen, it's seen as feminine and that's not what we do. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's almost like you're, you're praised for being emotionally shut down and, you know having a beer gut, do you know what I mean? Like that's praised as opposed to being self-aware. I know it's gross. Um, (laughs) Don't know which way's up. (laughs) But you know, it's, your poon is, it's right near Rocky, the beef capital. So if, where's the beef? (laughs) Fill in the blanks. (laughs) I wouldn't mind. You do, you do do know they have a beef week just, just quietly. Oh my God. Pineapple festivals, beef weeks. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Please don't uh, serve. Please don't serve pie. It's triggering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no right. pies. Although, can we just say, Estelle is a f- very, very good cook, and you make a pie about once a week on your story, or you've at least perfected pastry. I'm a bit of a feeder. Look, I I don't eat a lot of what I actually make. I do it for a creative outlet, and then I just give it to people. No, but it's so look. It's you. You definitely know your way around the kitchen. I'm just learning now that it's quite interesting. I'd like to maybe spend some time on the couch with you to understand why you make a lot of pies after having them thrown <laughs> at you as a child. I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming <laughs> my moment. You're just throwing them at the wall when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing them at straight passes by. <laughs> so before we continue today, we'd like to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor, Encore Pilates Studio. Encore is a boutique Pilates studio, which is actually located inside another establishment Ooh, called yeah, a babushka doll. A bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, good. Um, inside Crew Fitness and Performance, which is a, a bigger sort of gym entity. Encore has two locations in Braybrook and Hopper's Crossing. And can I just say, I'm sore. (laughs) Well, we indulged in quite a spicy little class to work out our peaches. This peach is firm. (laughs) Firm. And kind of like almost too firm, like I'm in a bit of pain, which maybe says a little bit about my... Mm. fitness levels of the peach a soft peach yeah (laughs) yeah i actually have some good news for you adrian hit me so encore has kindly created a little introductory offer for our listeners which is 50 dollars for five classes that's 10 dollars a class unbelievable that's five dollars an ass cheek (laughs) that's crazy oh five dollars for half a peach god 
But no, uh, we did go down and check out Encore. Great space, really funky. Mm. The team was super lovely and actually got a workout from it. Yeah, I love Pilates. You are really into Pilates I at love the moment, it. aren't yeah. you? It's good for the hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my brittle old hips. <laughs> so we've talked about not being able to connect with gays in the country, but... Then I guess the other part of that is being able to connect with gay culture. Because I feel like, you know, you sort of work out that you're gay and then you spend the next couple of years working out how to be gay. But you sort of Mm -hmm. need the exposure to gay things, whether that's like queer prom or like drag race or call me by your name or whatever that might look like. Like, how did you sort of navigate that without having that all at your fingertips? I guess probably the first homoerotic thing that I was exposed to that I I'm felt listening. I could actually almost get into yeah. <laughs> that I felt like I could watch and enjoy without being judged we grew up watching a lot of like WWF wrestling um, which you know that's, that's I don't hot. know <laughs> you know you guys have that experience but you yeah, know John for me Cena. it was like well I was more of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson yeah. <laughs> that's more on brand for me um <laughs> But yeah, so that's something that I could watch and enjoy and without any persecution, like, you know, this is a, this is a gay thing. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and at the same time, there was the female wrestlers, which they were like, they were like my OG drag queens. Do you know totally. what I mean? Like they were these, <laughs> some of them were like these big, like powerful women that I could be like, fuck yeah, get into it. Um, and at the same time, I felt like if I was seen by people watching that, I'm like, no, it's like totally like a straight thing to do because they're chicks. Oh my God, they look great. (laughs) So, so hot. I love that. Yeah. And so, um, (laughs) that was probably my first thing that I could enjoy openly Mm. be like, oof, damn. But, um, (laughs) other than that, there wasn't a lot there to be honest, but it it was sort of like socially acceptable because then I could, you know, be in my room and put my poster of, you know, the rock up and be like, no, no questions asked. Like, oh yeah, he loves he loves sports entertainment. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I could actually get into that. And <laughs> poor mum and dad don't know that you're having a maz to that poster every night before bed. Oh, Dwayne's got some white stuff on him, darling. <laughs> Bit sticky, Mister Rock. It's just blue tack. It's blue tack. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I would put. But I would put. You know. I would put. You know. A poster of him up, and then I would put a poster of a female wrestler up mm. to to be like. See, I, I, I love her. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. She's a fierce bitch. Yeah. It's a mm. um, reference to my Eva Longoria on the back of my desktop screensaver, which was I uh, simply because I like Desperate Housewives, but everyone thought she was hot at the time. So that's she was in a lot of lingerie shoots at the time, apparently. <laughs> Um, I just on that though, when you then start to, let's just like say metaphorically spread your wings and you are allowed to enjoy gay culture freely, Mm. what did you start to discover? Because at that age and in a different setting and like, you know, it's kind of like, was it like a candy land store of like, wow, I don't like, how did you kind of work out what you liked? I guess. I guess for me, it was almost like a secret taboo almost because I remember like after, you know, obviously I had WWE, which was socially acceptable for me. Mm. Then there was, you know, for me, that's when in the height of my adolescence and, you know, my ugly duckling phase, that's when, you know, Queer Eye, the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out. And I felt like I could actually see something on TV and go like, 
I re- that resonates with me mm. and I could watch it with, you know, I wouldn't like not all my family would watch it, but you know, I could watch it with Shez, my mum. And <laughs> oh, bless her. And you know, we could watch that and she'd go, Oh, aren't they fantastic? So <laughs> that Carson is hilarious. Yeah, part of me was like, okay, the, there's there's light at the proverbial tunnel here where I can see something and go, well, it's it's been highlighted. I can see myself in that. Um, did I, you know, let my hair down and get into it? Not so much. I was still very, mm. um, you know, I had zero self-confidence and no, yeah, I couldn't have that ability to really let myself be free at that point in time. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like it's been a complete nightmare, your life so far, but <laughs> no, so I'm joking. Far, thank you. Um, this has been great. Thank you for having me on. It's... <laughs> um, we've lost Estelle. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm booking an appointment with my therapist as we speak. No. Warm I, the couch up. I guess, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of it is tough, but I guess I'm curious and you've sort of touched on being grateful for the experiences that you've had, but were there any actual pros from growing up where you did, do you think, as a gay person? Um, well, I wouldn't say not necessarily just as a gay person. I think Mm -hmm. growing up in a small town for me, and I don't like, you know, this might resonate for you guys as well, but a small town, I was really instilled with small town values. So for me, I don't put a lot of pressure on status or what brand of X, Y, Z do I have? That's just not part of me or what I grew up with. So, you know, I see people, you know, around here and they're so um, almost elitist in terms of they have to have the, the best of everything and mm-hmm. um, that's their their goal. Whereas for me, it's like, and I, I've got mates that are also from small towns and we're all very similar. We're low maintenance. We're not, we're just very chilled out, calm, easygoing. Nothing really stresses us out. So I don't know if that's a country thing or if that's a, like it's very much a yeah no we can't relate to that at all pardon actually <laughs> we can't relate to that at all <laughs> well even and it, and even it comes down to like you know i feel like people sort of ask you with the loaded gun in terms of like where did you go to school where did you grow up where did you mm-hmm. go to uni and i'm like does that even matter like i'm a semi-educated individual with a, <laughs> you should base me on my character not on yeah there's some where in- i'm from they're yeah, summing exactly. you up. They're summing you up in that moment with like your your credentials, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, I would say I guess the word that comes to mind when you describe yourself then is like humble. Like I think it Salt of the Earth. Yeah. Don't say humble pie. <laughs> it's pie thing. No, no. We're not talking about pies anymore. <laughs> but no, I think it's ve- it's it's very much like it's taught me or my experience has taught me never judge a book by its cover. So, mm. you know, cause people often see, and you do, you talk about these things, you share these stories and people go, like you said, I never would have thought that. So I guess it reaffirms to me, like don't judge people based on where they come from, their background, anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally agree. What is your relationship like now with your sexuality and where you're at? Like, obviously it's different to when you were a child, right? hundred percent. Um, I would say now I'm like so proud of myself and I'm a fully fledged authentic individual. I think like, it's very interesting. I'm, that's why I'm very proud of the experiences that I've had. Cause I think of like that little, little, little wee Jennifer mm. and I think of <laughs> that, that poor, that poor kid that sort of 
knew what he wanted to be, but never could really um, just be free. And I feel like now I'm so free. Yeah, it's very powerful. Also, I've got the benefit of my work life. I've seen literally life and death. I've seen people's Mm. lives change, you know, on a dime. So I understand that life's short. There's no point getting hung up on the small things. So I very much, you know, am appreciative of all of those things that I've learned in my career as well. And then I guess, um, you know, obviously you're now in Brisbane. Do you think that the only option for a gay from the country is to move to a larger city? Or do you think that you could make a nice gay life for yourself out in the sticks with the closeted straight men? And the pineapples. Well, I... <laughs> and the meat week. Well, isn't it... <laughs> yeah, the, where's the beef? I feel like <laughs> it's it comes down to your own individual interpretation of what you want, what you're happy with, right? Mm, so, yeah. you know, different strokes for different folks. So some people want that that quiet life and that's perfectly fine. Some people want a bit more hustle and bustle. Mm, um, yeah. I guess that's... Yeah, totally. To I mean, individual. we know... It's not so- for me to... Yeah. We know so many people who have moved even just from Perth to Melbourne or Sydney because that wasn't even enough. And, like, when you compare that to Pune, like, that's <laughs> obviously... It seems like the gays are more attracted to the hustle and bustle on average than straight people might be. It's because of the walking. You can walk faster there. True. I was going to say, what's what's the why there? And I feel like it's just you've got support. You're not alone. And, like, anyone who yeah. lives in Melbourne is probably familiar with, like, you know, they call it the pink triangle in which is like Windsor, Pran, South Yarra. It's like this three suburbs that all neighbour each other in Melbourne that like you can walk the streets and look over, look around and see so many people who are like you and feel safe and comfortable. Like I've mm. never once walked down Chapel Street and felt scared or, you know... It, it, it's... I mean, it can be a scary place, but... At 5am f- <laughs> it can be a scary <laughs> place. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's, that's probably why they seek it out too hey do you think um being a gay from the country now that you're in a city what's that like is that does that help you pick up dudes or like (laughs) is that am am i am i that (laughs) remains to be seen just quietly (laughs) is that a pro or a con do you think i feel like a lot of people and look this is my interpretation i feel like a lot of of people almost see it as a con you know when you sort of say you're from the country i think people expect you to have you know, this the hay sticking out of your mouth and, mm-hmm. you know, n- no teeth and to be like uncultured swine almost <laughs> versus, you know, I love to surprise people. So a lot of, like, I think a lot of people, and I don't want to sound like narcissistic or anything, but they sort of see what they see and they put you in a box, right? Mm. In terms of, you know, your X, Y, Z. But then when you say I'm from the country, well, for me, if I say I'm from the country, I normally get, Ooh, country boy. Mm. Like, well, not yeah. really. I'm, I'm from, I'm from <laughs> the country, but I'm not a country boy. I'm not out there tipping cows. And no, I'm not on a, a, can you see the tractor bitch? Do you see a tractor underneath me? No. It's a bit of a kink though. I did fall off a tractor once though, just quietly <laughs> on my uncle's farm. Oh, perfect. That's a story that's for a another story. time. That's a, exactly. <laughs> Well, look, more importantly, thank you for sharing your experience, but what advice would you give out there to anyone who is in a Yipun, uh equivalent or even just in a city that they don't feel like they do have support or, you know, a, a community or network around them or perhaps going through 
similar experiences, touch wood, hopefully not like yourself. What advice can we give to people who are feeling like that at the, at the moment? Uh, I guess for me, something that I've always like held in terms of advice would be what other people think of you is none of your business. I've always said that. I've always mm-hmm. said that to my friends, to my staff at work, all of that sort of stuff. So I think that is something that I always held within myself in terms of what people are telling me does not define me. So, you know, I always knew I was better than what they were telling me. So they might say all these things to me, but that does not make it reality. That's their perception and what they think is their business. It actually says more about them than what they're throwing at me. I'm clapping. I can't clap because it'll fuck up the mics, but I'm clapping. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like nail on the head for me. And, and, and I think the, the thing about that is it doesn't just come naturally. Like you're not, you're not born with that mindset. Like you have to adopt it and mm-hmm. really embody it and stick to it because if you'll start letting the other negative thoughts kind of take over, that's when you can go down some dark rabbit holes. So, yeah. but um, I, I guess the other piece would probably be just put your life in a suitcase and get on a train. Cause mm. I'm assuming there's no planes <laughs> close by. <laughs> Um, we've got six taxis in town. There's um, no Uber. Six taxis though is actually you actually know. no. Let me let me revise. They do. They've got traffic lights now. They didn't have them back then. Um, still no cinema. Still no nightclub. None of that. And I was saying it's quite fortuitous that this is happening right now because last Friday, I think the the day after you called me about doing this. I literally resigned from my job and I'm doing a little bit of a heart of Dixie moment of going back to the prune, dare I say it, for, you know, a few months just to go catch that pineapple. A glutton for punishment. Oh my God, Jennifer's returning. <laughs> yeah, the homecoming queen, exactly. Oh if you God. don't win the pineapple fucking thing this time when you go back, please. It's rigged. <laughs> it's I'll rigged. the homo card. Rigor Morris. how do you feel about going back i am actually quite excited for it i think Mm. it's going to be you know to go back as a really confident authentic individual i'm excited to see how i can make a change there not that i expect to be fucking you know mother Teresa doing shit but just to be there and own myself and and to see the people that have just been there no offense forever and not done anything other than procreate which is a valid life choice it's not mine but that's fine i think Um, there's i think there's something really beautiful to be said for uh, confident queer people returning to those kinds of spaces and being visible like my you know year 12 english teacher was my best friend as they all are for all of us but she's also a lesbian and she decided when she left my school to go out to the sticks and teach English and she was like I don't feel safe at all but I need to be there and I need everyone to know that I'm a lesbian so that the kids can see that Mm. so maybe that will be you you might end up a a fairy godmother to a whole new generation of um, pineapple queens they could be the universe to bring you back there for a reason my friend yeah exactly for a short time not a long time let's be clear those burly bib gutted men are gonna run for the hills when they see this big jacked up oh stop flirting no well like i don't think i I feel like that juxtaposition as well (laughs) of looking a certain kind of way and then you know if like if i'm at the gym i'll do whatever which is more than no offense more than the big boys and then i'll get up and do a hair flick and (laughs) look away and just you know 
make them be like, oh, fuck. No, like, I'm picturing I'm- you like walking down this dirt road down downtown, which is the main street I'm learning. <laughs> and like good, people good whispering, boy. people whispering, being like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And then you flick and it's you. And then you're like, oh my God, that's Estelle. And he's hot now and he's returned. And look at him. That's, that's. Am I doing like a, like a turn over the shoulder into the sunset? Yeah, like a Charlie's Angels flick your goddamn hair sort of. Am I on the beach? Can I be on the beach? Oh, you can be wherever you want to be. (laughs) This is your fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Estelle. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I think that that was awesome and again thank you for being vulnerable with Mm. our audience because we're We're sick of doing it ourselves and you definitely would have hit home for someone out there so yeah even if one person is inspired by this then we've done our job so well done and thank you so much again for sharing no worries thank you for having me that's been great well that is all we've got time for today ladies and gents but If this is the first time you're listening to us, then please follow, subscribe, like, or whatever it is that you need to push on the platform you're listening on so that you know when we're launching our next episode. And while you're there, leave us a review, leave us a rating, tell us how good Estelle was. And then obviously also head to our Instagram, which is at Message on the Machine, so that you can keep up with all the fun stuff that we do in between our episodes. And we'll probably post some photos of Estelle because he's such a hot man. (laughs) <laughs> really painted, <laughs> painted an image. A face to the name. <laughs> Maybe we'll keep him a mystery. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, good luck out there. Yeah, we'll see you at the next one. This episode was brought to you by Encore Pilates Studio. 